1: Hello, friends, and welcome to another edition of Dan and Benny in the Ring. I'm Dan Spacciano, joined, as always, by the BS Express himself, Benny Scala. Benny, it is Valentine's Day. How you doing, buddy?
2: Feeling all right, and just want to wish everybody a very happy Valentine's
0: Day.
1: You know, we uh, we like to bring guests back. Uh, we we, uh, we always say it really seems at the end of the show that we could talk for hours and not scratch the surface. So, I mean, we are bringing a guest back. Uh, this gentleman was with us in 2021, Uh, Obviously, anybody that knows anything about wrestling history knows he was on one half of what is called the biggest upset in wrestling history when the uh, so-called enhancement man, Big Ron Shaw, took out David San Martino. Joining us again with more stories and more to tell is Big Ron Shaw. Ron, thanks for being here.
0: Hey, guys. It's certainly a pleasure to be back on your show and a happy Valentine's to all those lovers out there. And uh, Benny, you know, the last time I was on your
2: show, I asked you about your love life. Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Ron, you know, especially coming from a man of your stature. So I did say happy Valentine's Day. But, you know, and, and there's a group of people out there that are very underappreciated. So I just wanted to have a special Valentine's Day shout out just for them. So this is for all you hookers out there. The BS Express is your hookup. Holler if you hear me. And just remember, the initials for Valentine's Day are VD, so be careful out there. (laughs)
0: Holy smokes, I'll tell you that. Dan, and you know, last time I was on your show, you are the historian here between the two of you guys. And, you know, I I asked you a question, and I did stump you. Yes, you did. i I got another one for you. Are you ready?
1: Uh Uh-oh, yeah, let's hear it.
0: All right. What college did Professor Toru Tanaka graduate from?
1: Ah, uh, don't tell me I'm gonna go O for two on my own show. Uh phone a friend here, Benny. Any any thoughts on this?
2: I was gonna guess the school of hard knocks. But if I can actually make a guess, because I know that the guy grew up in Hawaii, maybe the University of Honolulu. Hmm. Let me let me know
0: if you you're done. Let me know if you give up.
1: That's my guess. <clears throat> All right. Are you ready? Yeah, I mean I, it, you know what? All those wrestlers usually come from, from junior colleges, so it's probably something I hadn't even heard of. I don't know.
0: Okay. I'm, I'm sure you did hear of it. Uh, what's the matter, you? <laughs> <laughs> all right. I, I, that was the
2: beginning of an Italian song. What's the matter, of you? You got no respect. Right. Uh,
0: all right. I, I got you. I got to get you, Dan.
1: 0 for, right. for 2.
0: You did. Oh, for 2.
1: That's funny. Well,
2: Ron, so let's start up with the, you know, we're, we're not usually a controversial show. Uh, we're, you know, pretty lighthearted, but we got it. We got to go there. So and we actually had an attorney who was going to be on tonight to uh, offer to represent you. But he unfortunately had a family whoa. emergency. But um, oh, and, and
0: I've heard okay. this. Whoa, whoa. Represent me for what?
2: Well, Um, and he's heard it as well. He's a big Ron Shaw fan, big, big old school wrestling fan, big Ron Shaw fan knows a lot about your career. And he, like I heard some very disparaging remarks, uh, on YouTube by a certain, uh, podcaster, uh, about you. And like, like I was very put off by it and felt so strongly about it that he was going to come on this show and, uh, you know, offer some legal representation. And I think, you know, who we're talking about,
0: uh, yeah, I I, I I didn't think you guys were gonna go here. I mean, I mean, I really didn't. I really, I really. I'll be honest with you. I'd probably probably shut down this interview right now. But you know something? You guys were so decent to me last time, and that's what happened. That's what happened on the last show. For some reason, it popped up. It seems to be the the, the, the only thing of top topic anymore right now. So every damn show that I'm doing, they seem like they're bringing this up. But okay, all right. So, yeah, we, 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 understand, you know, I was on his show, uh, last year and it wasn't exactly a, a smooth show. I mean, we were very argumentative. We, we had our differences on the show and I basically told him to, you know, go fly a kite and, uh, we, we, we just parted, you know, I called him back. I tried calling him back, uh, for weeks and, uh. Uh, he had my phone number. He wasn't. He wasn't ready to pick up the phone or nothing. And, and you know, I said, "Hey, come on, man, give me an apology for 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 that type of crap that you put out there." You know, my mistake was telling him that he had the most controversial show out there in the wrestling in the wrestling land on the airwaves. And and I thought, and I think it went to his head. I'll be honest with you, it went to his head. But, but you know what? I found out that this guy really—he is a fraud and a conniver. I did a show this past Saturday in my house here. It was Sports Talk 101, and it was to be shown on cable in the Pittsburgh, Ohio, Virginia area. And I was to be paid for it, which, which, which you know, I mean, I, I enjoy doing these shows, and, and, you know, some of you people pay pay some of the stars that come out. I, you know, it's not about money. You know, it's, it's give, giving back. You know, I, I enjoy talking about my days of wrestling and so forth. You know, I did 20 years. 20 years of this, okay? And you know, I did this show. It was about 20 minutes. It was a nice guy interviewing me, and I get a call about about a day or two later from the producer of the show, who was in the house, okay? Because she was running the camera, and the producer said, "You know something? This show is on Monty's website." And I said, "Well, did you guys show it already?" He said, "No, we didn't. I mean, there was nothing there to edit." You know, they just were gonna add the beginning and add the end of the show and so forth. I said, wait a minute. I said, how could could he have gotten this show? Well, I went to, you know, check one of myself. Sure enough, he's got it on his website with all his other shows. And then there was a separate, on YouTube, the show I did. And underneath it, with his logo on there, Monty and the Pharaoh, he wrote about two or three paragraphs of lies about why he's got to get back at me for some reason, okay? And then underneath it, he writes something from the Scripture from the Holy Book of God, I guess to make people feel sorry for him, okay? Which which I totally just did not understand.
2: Well, he is pretty pathetic, so I guess that
0: works. That is, that is pathetic, okay? Now, here's a guy who did a show also about three weeks ago, maybe a month ago, and he put a segment of my two-man power trip of wrestling on there. And he invites two foul-mouth sanitation workers on his show because it must have been a tough night to get some good guests. And those guys were throwing the F-words so many times that I thought they were going to get a hernia the next day. And Monty's sitting there in the corner, snickering like a 10-year-old child hearing his first curse word. And I, I said, I don't believe this. I said, I just don't believe this, okay? You know, he's supposed to be, he's quoting, okay, a, a, a paragraphs from, the I guess, the Book of God or something like that, and he's thinking he's the holiest man around or something. Let me tell you something. I got cheese in my refrigerator that's holier than him, okay? This guy does not belong on the radio. I don't know why he is and why his partner, who's a good guy, the pharaoh who can hold this show together without him. He lost his hosting capabilities a long time ago. Maybe it was right at the time that he had me on his show, okay? This guy couldn't host a four-year-old's birthday party at Chuck E. Cheese's right now, okay? I don't understand what's his problem. All I want is a simple apology, but he still keeps trying to bury me, and I'll be honest with you, the fans don't even like it. I'm not. I'm not a fan of the fans. You know, wrestling fans are the greatest fans in the world. Okay, because they're so opinionated. And I've got my share. I don't like to say they're my fans, but people who follow me. And you know, I've had my website out since 2015. It's getting bigger and better. And because of him, it's even gotten better. Okay. You know, when you say hello to this guy, he's stuck for an answer. That's how screwed up his head is. All right. It, look. I, you know, I don't care. You know, as, he could talk good. He could talk bad about me, but he's talking about me. You understand? And it's going all over the world. And he's looking like a fool every damn time he speaks. Whoa,
1: whoa, it's, Ron, Ron. Calm, calm down, buddy.
2: And, Ron, just to be specific, we're talking about uh, Mike Monty, right? Jimmy Farrow is a huge fan of yours. And I, I mean, I listened to his interview of yours, and he was quite polite and respectful. Now, Mike Monty, totally different story.
0: Absolutely. I don't I don't understand. I mean you know I they, they've been they've been from my understanding, I've heard them say the Pharaoh say they've been childhood friends, okay? And uh, but you know let me tell you something. the Pharaoh could do this show on his own. I mean he's he's asked me questions where I've never been asked questions like that before. He had him. Monty on his show, he wanted to go down the same old road, the same old road, and this is what we discussed prior to that, okay? And I said, I said, no, I'm not going to answer those. What's that going to do with me, Monty? Went, well, you know, this is what I do. Said, oh, I said, you got another partner. You need to discuss it with him. And apparently they ironed it out. And they said, okay, Ron, hey, it's been taken care of. Come on the show. But Monty decided to go down that same old road. But let me tell you something. I have two options that I want to give this guy, okay? And, and And I'll be honest with you, I'm a nice guy. Some people would only get maybe... Five ten days. I'm going to give Monty sixty days to abol- apologize to me. All he's got to do is fly me down first class to the armpit of the country, New York. <laughs> I got go to. More
2: you. like the anus, actually, Ron. Huh? So more like the anus.
0: Well, look, you know, what can I tell you? And I'm didn't...
2: from there, so I can say that.
0: All right, well, I, 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 was gonna, I thought I was going to have to apologize. I knew you were from New York and so forth. But no, no, no. This is what bothers me, okay? So all he has to do is put me up in a five-star hotel, take me out for a nice thick steak dinner, a bottle of my favorite wine, 1946 Sauvignon, invite me over to his show live, and apologize to me. Even his fans want him to do that. It was That was totally uncalled for, okay? That's option number one. Option number two is that I will, I will reveal on someone's show if he does not apologize to me in 60 days what I'm going to do about it. And and if you guys want to lock me in in 60 days, that's fine. If not, I'll tell it on somebody else's show.
2: I don't know, Dan. That sounds like an exclusive to me.
1: Yeah, that, I mean... We've had we've had several big announcements debut on Dan and Benny, and I think this is going to be one of them.
0: Well, this this may, maybe this is a strong term, but this would probably shock you, okay, and certainly shock Michael Monty, okay. So he's got a he's got a chance. He's got a legitimate chance. You know, I was a I was a small guy in this business of professional wrestling. But you know what? Interesting things happened to me along the way that put me on the map, okay? The WWE put me in their history books, and last year being inducted into the IWF Hall of Fame, and people will say, well, but the IWF, it's not the WWE. Let me tell you something, the IWF has a lot of history when Kowalski started it in 1977. And it went on and on and on. We merged with Bruno San Martino, Dominic DeNucci, Larry Zabisco, David San Martino, and others. And I was on top those two years that I was on the I, in the IWF. Okay? There's a lot of big stars in the, in, in the IWF Hall of Fame. Keller Kowalski himself, Big John Studd, Nikolai Volkoff, uh, Iron Mike Sharp, Sebastian Booger. The list goes on and on and on and on. So that's nothing to sneeze at. I, I'm totally content being in the IWF Hall of Fame. I don't need to be in any other Hall of Fame, as far as I'm concerned.
2: The other one's bogus, anyway, Ron. That that's a real Hall of Fame.
0: I, I think it is. I really believe it is, and I'm proud of that moment that I was inducted last year.
2: Now, Mike, uh now Ron, can I? Can I, Mike? Geez, I got Mike in my head now. Uh, Ron, can I? Uh, can I just say something? You, you did fire back at Mike a little bit on that last uh, show. You did, and. Uh, one thing I totally marked out with um, was the, the the reference to his hat, mm-hmm. and uh, I heard a rumor though that that he stole that hat from the uh, set of Caddyshack. Do you think that's true? That's the one that that uh, that uh, Judge Smales wore, and uh, and uh, Al Sherbeck who was Rodney Dangerfield, said, "Oh, it looks good on you, though."
0: <laughs> Personally, I think he off, I think he stole it off the dead body of J- Jimmy Durante. Well, ho-
1: hopefully, he got his free bowl of with that hat. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Absolutely. The guy the guy, I don't know what the guy is with his hat, that's his signature trademark. He looks more like Crazy Guggenheim
2: than who he thinks he is. Now I, I the Dan, do you remember Crazy Guggenheim?
1: Well, remember Benny, I, I'm uh I'm a I'm only a few years younger than you, so because okay. uh, I, 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 I I remember totally him remember but Crazy. only in tape form. Ron, I, I thought he, that
2: was a that was a great reference. I totally marked that with that. Yeah, I mean you gotta, you know, you got Sometimes you gotta, you gotta hit back a little bit.
0: Well, yeah. Who, who, who thought that this was gonna go this way? You know, I, you know, I'm enjoying my retirement for the last 12, 13 years, whatever it's been. You know, I love going to my country club, playing golf, and you know, being with, being with friends, and you know, we play for money, you know, and, and have a great time. Or I'm working out here four days a week. I have my, my own gym here at the home, and I go to the pool, and I'm enjoying my beautiful yellow English lad who's two years old now, Brownie, and I'm having, I'm having, enjoying myself, except with this guy who's doing what he's trying to do to me, to belittle me in front of hundreds of thousands of wrestling fans. And, and you know, when I go, on, when I go online, I can see the comments. You know, you can, you can tell his fans versus just regular fans. A lot of, a lot of them don't appreciate what he's doing. Okay. And it's not, maybe not just me, you know, it could be anybody. You know? He's been, look he's asking for it. He's been hitting the nose so many times he's getting a cauliflower nose. Alright? <laughs> that's how bad that's how bad it's getting with him.
2: He needs well, to retire. Retire or go get his head checked. He uh he threw the first shot, but I think you're gonna throw the last one.
0: There's no question about it. I don't back down from anybody. I don't back down from anybody, okay? I've had it I've had it tough. In my first years of professional wrestling, and I worked my way up the ladder. You think it's easy? You know, people talk about it. Well, you know, it's, it's all a work, but let me tell you something. You get in there with the ring with some guys who who, who stiff it, and you've got to stiff it back, or you, become, or you become a casualty, okay? I got in the ring with Angelo Mosca in a battle royal in Philadelphia, my hometown of Philadelphia, Spectrum, who who I'm, not, I'm ashamed anymore to say I'm from Philadelphia with the political air that's going on there, it stinks. And I'll tell you something, he came up to me, he says, I'm going to see if you can take it. And he started laying forearms into me, this big gorilla guy, you know. And I'll tell you something, I gave it right back to him. And I'll tell you something, I'm glad I did, because he walked away and had a lot of respect for me after that.
2: You know, Ron, I have a suggestion. Anybody who says it's, uh, it's fake invite them to spend about five minutes in the ring with you
0: well you know th- th- this, this is this is pretty much what it is you know people they yeah, you, you you learn how to fall yeah you learn how to fall because you know if you are legitimately going to get thrown out of the ring you got to learn how to fall you know break your fall on the on the canvas or grab the rope when you can and so forth but you know it, it's it's not people think this is the movies you know i think it's an insult when they say well ron shaw he was an actor no, I, w- I was just being myself in the ring. Okay. You know, maybe people had gimmicks. My gimmick was just walking in the ring and just being a tough guy. That's all it was. I didn't ne- I didn't need a gimmick. That-, that was my gimmick, if you will. But let me tell you something. I hit hard. I hit hard. And I expected to be hit hard back. And if you didn't hit me hard back, I'd hit you twice as hard until you hit me hard back. And you can ask any of those guys.
2: Now your your matches had a very legitimate air of believability. I mean, they, they, you you worked snug. Uh,
0: yeah, well, you know, being being trained by Killer Kowalski, one of the best the best in the business. You know, one thing about Walter Kowalski, uh, you know how believable the guy was. And first of all, look, you don't get cauliflower ear ears from just acting, okay? You don't break bones from just acting. I've had my fingers almost every one of them broken. Or jammed so severely that you know I mean I got arthritis in my fingers fortunately I could still play guitar okay and I and I do play guitar every evening and and you know he was one of the greatest workers and not only that one of the greatest talkers because you know when he talked in an interview you had to stop and listen because with that growling gravelly voice that he had and he always had something to say on his mind it wasn't it wasn't gibberish the guy the guy was a fantastic worker just for those Two or three things that I just I, mentioned.
2: I was twelve the first time I saw him on TV, and that guy scared the living shit out of me.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, what, yeah, when he talked, oh man.
2: <laughs> him and George Steele were the two guys I was like legitimately afraid of.
0: <laughs> yeah, George Steele. That's right. That's right. There was a lot, there was a lot of guys like that back in the day that you would give, oh, oh wait a minute, you know what, what's going on with this guy, you know, and, and uh, you know Larry the Axe Henning. You know, he was just a you know, regular, just a tough guy, you know, but he was one of my favorites when I was a little kid, you know, Iron Mike McCord and, and Crazy Luke Ram, Dick the Bulldog Brower. I, I, you know, I loved all those guys. You,
2: even guys. Tanaka, who you mentioned earlier.
0: And Professor Tanaka, absolutely. I and, mean, you know, I can go on and on and on, you know, because when I watch at 88 years old, you know, I, I, I all these guys, you know, you start seeing them, seeing them, and there's so, you know, I knew I knew who my favorites were, and had a lot of the, a lot of the baby faces. I had uh, uh, yeah, a lot of respect for back then: Edouard Carpentier, and, uh, et cetera.
1: You know, you know, you uh, you said earlier that your uh, announcement when we book you in the future is going to shock the wrestling world. Well, last time someone said they were going to shock the wrestling world, they tripped through a wall. So you're uh, the the, the Standard little low there I have a feeling you're going to top it and I hope you will But um, Going back and I hate to mention the name again Benny, uh, you're going to have to control uh, If anything goes crazy here But but you were, you did an interview uh, On He Who Shall Not Be Named's Show recently And you mentioned that you were credited With more upsets than Anybody in WWF history And last time you were on we chatted About some of them, obviously you know, Sam Martino, uh, but Benny and his uh, did some research, and we looked into it and and put a little list together. These are these are people <clears throat> who you have accredited wins over uh, King Kong Bundy on multiple occasions. Strongbow. Okay,
0: okay. oh, 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 hold on, let me let me stop you there. Uh, it, it was actually he was working as Chris Canyon.
1: Chris Canyon, right?
2: Correct. Pre Bundy, but yeah, same guy.
0: Right, exactly, and, and you know I, I I did slam him every night and pinned them. I think we worked in about two or three house shows uh, two or three spot shows and one house show, but
1: go ahead. No, no, you're you're fine. I was just a, um Jay Strongbow, uh um, obviously at, you know at the time, um the Brooklyn brawler, uh Lombardi and obviously we talked to you about your your match with David San Martino last time. Mm-hmm. Um yeah uh go ahead.
0: You, you did and you did leave one out. And I and I and I pinned his shoulders twice, and once was in the Pittsburgh Civic Arena, and there was a spot show in Pennsylvania. Who does that guy was iron Mike sharp.
1: Wow, wow! No, I did not know okay. that. That's wow. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yep, i sharp. And, uh, around and, what time was that? Because there was a good stretch where where Sharp I'm, wasn't taking long.
0: Yes, or something. They can go onto my website. Everything I talk about is on my website, and there's the proof right there. I've got everything I can on that website that backs up my career. So, you know, when I can talk about it, I'm sure what I'm talking about, you know.
1: Last time you were on, you hyped up. We, uh, the website you're talking about is BigRonShawWWF.com, correct?
0: That's correct.
1: Benny loves throwing in his sports references. We talk about upsets, the Miracle on Ice, uh, the Jets and Baltimore in Super Bowl three. Uh, these are always one-offs though and and the dominant team just kind of keeps coming back or you'd never beat them once you just mentioned t- two you had uh, three wins against who would become King Kong Bundy you know you you pull upset after upset on a consistent basis uh so I mean how does it feel to be such an important part of wrestling history where anytime people talk about upsets your name is coming up
0: well that you know that's true I, I mean I had people say, uh, uh, when I did other shows, you know, I, I love going back to a show about a month later, and then I read the comments underneath the video show that we that we did, you know, and one person may say, Well, Ron Shaw doesn't have all the, the, uh, uh, the biggest history and, and the most uh, this this guy here. who you know, I never heard of the guy from the WWE, who's beaten five, six other guys in the WWE. Well, I'm talking about guys who have been in the business 10 20, 30 years, like Chief Jay Strongbow, and and Jay Strongbow, I considered my biggest upset, okay, and, 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 you know, something that, that you're right, I mean, that, that is part of wrestling history, and it's, it's talked about many times, you know, I, I research the internet all the time to find more stuff for my website, you know, you know, facts, and and comments, and so forth, and, you know, I, I do say that I got the most I'm not going to say I've got the biggest upset in pro wrestling, but a lot of people have written that I did have the biggest upset in pro wrestling. You know, you know that
1: doesn't well, matter to me. Let me ask you, um, I mean, we have a lot of people on, uh, we love, you know, we talk about their Mount Rushmores or their bests, and you can't name yourself. if If you don't want to consider yourself the biggest upset, what do you think the biggest upset in wrestling was?
0: The biggest upset in wrestling, I would have to say, ah you know this this was probably two big main eventers at the time and I think and I think it happened in Madison Square Garden um and I and I think it was call off over Bruno when he won the world championship and that's a that's a good one
1: yeah no no one expected that to happen
0: no that's what they said they said you know when Bruno when Bruno got up off the mat he says he, he thought he was deaf because the place
2: was dead silent, they couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe it. So, Ron, um, you were—I I call these bridge wrestlers—somebody who was around uh, for both junior and senior. And um, so, w- when when junior took over, how did things cha- things change in terms of, say, you know, pay, travel, uh, working conditions, things like that.
0: I think it was at the time I guess
1: in when when did Vince senior hand over the reins to
2: the to was the late game? 82 Dan
1: 82, 83. Yeah 83 uh, I was going to No, I think it was actually a little earlier wasn't it 81 82 somewhere in there?
2: I think it was oh. I, if I had to put a guess a date it would be 82.
0: That's that sounds right because I'll tell you why. Uh, me and Bruno we had left to go work for the IWF uh, which when I first started working for Kowalski in Boston with the Bedlam from Boston TV tapings, so we were doing a lot of shows there. And then Bruno right away wanted to merge with Kowalski, and then we started doing the tapings in Allentown. And that was right at the time where where Bruno wanted to run against Vince. Now that was Vince Jr. Now he wouldn't have done that if if uh, Vince Jr. was still alive. So he was he was doing this against Vince Jr. Okay, so that, sound, that sounds about right when he sold
1: off to the uh, Vince Jr. in 1981. Well, I mean, we, we kind of beat your uh, your upsets into the ground, so we really won't ask you about the, the match with David San Martino, as we talked about it a lot, your last appearance on the show. Uh, and I, I can only imagine it's probably a story you're tired of telling. Um, but I do want to ask about asking it. How does it feel that that comes up so often, nearly 40 years later?
0: <laughs> you know something? You're absolutely right. You know, I, I was, I'll give you an example. I mean, you know, what's great is that, you know, I've got a lot of people where I play at, at, at my country club. They know what I did for a living. And one, one time a guy comes up to me and he says, hey, Ron. You know, we just watched you wrestle David San Martino in the clubhouse there on the big screen TV. And I said, wow. I said, you know, cause that's where the bar is and this and that, and everybody's watching my, my videos. And I said, well, well, thank you for watching. And, and uh, you know, I, I have cards that I give out that, that you know, uh, uh, have my website on it and, and, you know, this and that, a little bit of this. And I have an autograph signed on the back of it. You know, it's, it's laminate. And... and uh, and i gave it to him and i said well thank you thank you and i really appreciate it and we're friends today you know because it, it was just it was just uh talked about that hey you know ron schiller used to be a wwf wrestler plays golf here you know and that's how it got out so so yeah you know i'm, I'm flattered i'm flattered and and, and yeah it, it, it does come up still to this till this day you know it's, it's still talked about to this day um doc, you know when i was at the hall of fame in boston last year uh, a lot of people coming up to me asking me about that. And, you know, these were these are still the people in my profession, and you know, and I spoke at it when I gave a speech, and uh, yeah, it's just one of the things that that put me on the map. Would I be on your show today if it didn't happen? Well, I don't know. I just don't know.
2: So, Ron, you were uh, you you broke in kind of right at the end of the territory days. Now, you did some work in Mid Atlantic, I believe Calgary and Montreal, but I, I, to my, I think had you been born say ten, 10, years earlier, you would have kicked ass in the territories. I mean, I could have seen you in a mid South, a Florida, a Georgia, uh, Kansas city, uh, a Portland. And I think you would have picked up a lot of both singles and tag team titles. Have you ever thought about that? Like, you know, had you been born 10 years earlier, like w- what you would have done in the territories?
0: were still there even when I broke into the business. Uh, now, keep in mind, I mean, you know, I, I could have told Kowalski, hey, you know, maybe I'd like to get some experience. Uh, I don't know where I could have gone. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes you spend a year or two out in some other of these other little territories, and here you have two years of your, your years wasted in not making any money. Uh, my thought was to make money right off the bat, and that's why I told Walter I want to go work for the WWF, and, and I did. But as far as the other territories, um, I, you know, I, I, I guess I was big enough. You know, I'm six four, and you know, I was two hundred at my heaviest. I was two hundred and seventy pounds, two sixty between two sixty two seventy. And I and I and you know, a lot of the guys in the business time they were they were short guys, you know, and and I think they would have used me uh, uh, pretty good. I mean, you know, I do see I don't see why not. I mean. I mean, look. When we went to the IWF in 1982, early 1982, I was going over. I was going over on a lot of the shows. I was, I was in main events. I was, my tag team partner was Hans Schroeder, if You remember that name? Oh yeah. And uh, we did an angle on TV that uh, I, I forget what happened. That but but you know busted me open and I bled on TV and and uh, we had we had matches together throughout the territory and. Um, that you know, then I was that I was working as baby face there. And that was that was that was enjoyable. So I, you know, I mean, if Bruno did that to me, knowing you know, I just stepped out of the WWF after a year, and and I showed that I can wrestle. I showed when I was when I was working as a as a face that I knew how to wrestle with holds and everything. And and, and later on, I'm I'm going to break some big huge news to you before. Uh, before I uh, hang up with you
1: guys. You were talking about your, your various works and, and obviously we mentioned earlier your, your time in the WWF and, and you said something that struck me. You you made the statement that the WWF died after Hogan. And I was wondering if you could expand on that a little bit, go into some detail what you were thinking and um, do you at all watch or, or keep up with the current product? Uh, number
0: one, I do not watch it. And reason why i said it died after hogan was just because of what it is today it was it was was just starting starting to go in that in that area starting to trend towards the real cartoon you know pre-scripted uh uh, storylines and all these crazy interviews that are happening backstage oh there just happens to be a camera back there right at the right time and it, was, it wasn't believable anymore to me. And I, I was trained, like, you know, you've heard it before, old school. And, and there was nothing better than, than, you know, what we did. And I was glad to come in at that time and be a part of the days that I, I used to remember it as a little kid. That's what was really, really uh, something that I remember for the rest of my life. But, but yeah, I mean, after Hogan, that, that was pretty much it. But, you know, look, during the years of Hogan, you could start seeing that starting to happen. Okay, and, uh, and, and, and I, I left it and uh, went to work uh, for the NWF, who was just strictly old school type of wrestling. And then in the 90s, I traveled all over the world uh, for a promoter that Kowalski hooked me up with because I was really gonna give up the business in 1990, but I was able to stretch it out another nine to 10 years, uh, going away uh, for about a week or so every month and, and I was still doing a couple spot shows. I mean, not with the TWA, um, but uh, I, I was still making a living through the '90s. And, uh, uh, and but it was but it was still the old school, you know, the old school wrestling. Vince took over all the other, all those territories, and, um, and so you know it, it is what it is today. I, no, I, I I don't have no interest. Like I mean, you know, when I pass by on the cable guide, nothing draws me to turn it on. <laughs> so it's. A, it's as simple as that, you know, when I gonna enjoy some good old school wrestling, I go on the internet and I'll pick something out from a long time ago and I'll watch it. So that, that, that's what interested me and, and definitely not, the, not today's stuff.
2: So, so, Ron, uh, speaking of Jr., McMahon Jr., since your last appearance, there's been a huge amount of controversy, you know, when he hired the paralegal, doubled her salary, went and paying her a couple of million dollars to keep quiet, you know, passed her back and forth like a football to John Laurinaitis, and then, as it turned out, a few other women came out and said that they, he did the same with them, and uh, he stepped down and just recently came back as the uh, executive chairman of the board. Uh, d- does any of this surprise you about him yes yes it, yes it does
0: um, and, and and you know when you said that he had stepped down no you know he, he really didn't step down he was just he was running things behind the scenes pretty much because he's, he's back now right yes so uh yeah so you know that that was okay just to keep things get things quiet and and i was just a, this is just my opinion okay but you know we, when you're a billionaire, <laughs> you know, a lot of things start going through your mind. And, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not in issues. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a guy here who, who is enjoying my life. I, I'm a, I fortunately, I've I invested my money well and, I, and I'm able to afford anything I want. And I got some beautiful cars in my collection and I got a beautiful, beautiful two-story home. And, and, and that's enough for me. I don't even play the lottery, okay? I don't want to win $375 million or a billion dollars. I'm very happy with, with what I have. Yeah, no, but 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 uh, it does surprise
1: me. Yeah, it did. Well, then let me ask you: Did uh, you know, peel the curtain back a little bit, as it were? Having worked for both, did you see anything while you worked for Vince that would have given the impression that's the kind of person he actually was behind the scenes?
0: No, not at all. I, I mean, I you know, you know, he was a little cockier. Of- a little more of an attitude, maybe he just he just wanted to show that, that, hey, I'm the boss, and and that's pretty much it. I, I I've had several discussions with him, and um, you know, he, it was always nice. To, they were always nice to me. I mean, you know, the old story, as I said, you know, he did he did fire me at the end of 1981 because I didn't want to go to uh, um, um, Los uh, not Los Angeles uh, to work for LaBelle out there in California and uh you know okay you know it was a lesson lesson learned but he was nice about it and i thanked him for the opportunity and i came back uh two years later you know i called him up at the office and he said, oh call my father ron and you know see see what he'll do for you and, and uh his father liked me you know because he he liked kowalski they gave me the opportunity to do the executioner thing and and but his father brought me back and i worked 1984, 85, 86, 87, and, and left pretty much early 1988. You know, and that, was, that was that was the end of my
1: run with the WWF. There, we we'd gotten in the beginning of the show about you had mentioned the uh, IWF, your induction into the IWF last summer, the uh, hall of their Hall of Fame. Uh, can you tell our listeners a little more about that?
0: 1977, like I said earlier, by Kowalski after uh, he kind of retired from the WWF, and um, it, it was on they, they were it was on face they have it on Facebook, but which, which which was private. Okay, so it really wasn't known to anybody like the New England Wrestling Hall of Fame, where you can I guess there's a lot of videos out there of people being inducted and so forth. Um, so finally, they contacted me. Uh, one of the administrators, Vic Vicious, and the other administrator is uh, Brittany Brown, who was the world women's champion in the IWF for for uh, 10 years, and she actually retired to belt. And, and they found me because of my website. And so they invited me to come down. And they said, look, we want, to, we want to induct you into the Hall of Fame. You know, you're a big part of the IWF. And, you know, it was it was not just the Boston uh, uh, uh Part of the IWF. It was also the uh, southern part, which which was uh, uh, Bruno, and Danucci, and uh, you know, because we, we did a lot of the, the Ohio, Virginia, and Pennsylvania towns. that we come up and do the northern part. Uh, so I I said, yeah, I'll come down. You know, but the, you know, COVID was a concern, and uh, you know, I had these tickets that were already paid for. We were supposed to go to Las Vegas in 2020, but. During the surge of COVID, we, we canceled out and uh, the airlines were just extending the tickets for another year and then another year. And I said, I said, you know something, let me go. And and uh, I did. And, and you know, so I'll tell you something. I was tired as, as all could be, okay. I, I got up at 2.30 in the morning to catch a 6am flight out of Fort Myers, Florida. Got to Boston and uh, at noon and I, and I tried to take a nap, but, you know, I was going to be doing something in front of my peers that i haven't done in such a long time so i, I was actually a little nervous <laughs> so so i had the limousine take me down there at 5:30, and i started meeting some old friends uh john callahan who now works as a uh, sergeant moulton and then uh these other the other wrestlers who were from the iwf and and i met some new friends down there uh, Dangerous Dave Starr, who worked, you know, like they were in the 90s of IWF and then there was Joel the real deal Davis, who in the early 90s was working for a lot of the independents. He did work against uh, Stuka and, uh, and 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 uh, Bundy and so forth. But you know, I had a chance to talk to a lot of people and, and I, I wish I could have talked more, but I couldn't wait to find a darn table to sit down with because I was just so damn tired. But I, I gave my speech. I got through it. I left out a few things. And uh, given a plaque that I proudly hang on my wall here in my game room, and I uh, I was so thrilled that uh, I'm even going to go back again this year uh, to hang out with the crowd and and I, I enjoyed them. Everybody was so nice. I mean, you know, they gave me a standing ovation when I when I my name was introduced, and I said, I wow, I said, I said, man, that was nice. A standing ovation, you know. I, uh, and, you know, I videotaped as much as I could because I told, I told Brittany and Vic Vicious, I said, you know, look, I want to get you guys out and put you on my website and expose the IWF, you know, because there's a lot of great uh, uh, Hall of Famers in there, okay? There was a lot of people who really didn't make it big time, uh, but, you know, but, but, you know, I included them also. And it's on my site. Uh, you know, there's two, there's two sections there, Hall of Fame one and two, and there's a lot of video there. And I'm, 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 you know, talking with a few of the people and so forth. But it was really an uplifting experience because you know, I, who would have ever thought that I would be put into a Hall of Fame or put in the books at the WWE? Because you know, at eight years old, you, you know, you got dreams. You know, just, just if I can get a match, a one-time wrestling match, you know, and, and here. Here, here it turned out to be a very rewarding career for me. You know, As I say, the majority of the time, I was, I was not a main eventer. But you know what? I did what I did. I made a lot of money. And I, I can't ask for anything more.
2: Ron, let, let me backtrack for a second. Uh, back to Los Angeles. You said that one of the reasons you were let go uh, was because you didn't want to go out there. And I remember listening to Johnny Rods on an interview uh, when they approached him in uh, 1976 uh, to go out there to be become Java Rook, and uh, he was promised, I believe he said, 1500 bucks a week by Mike LaBelle. Went out there, won that uh, prestigious 22 man battle royal. Which, if you look at the uh, the winners of that battle royal, it's like a who's who uh, of Hall of Famers. You got Harley Race, Bruno Andre, uh, et cetera. And but I guess. Um, and normally whoever won that battle royal they got put a push for the whole year yet I believe it was like a month later uh Johnny Rods is wrestling uh, Bobo Brazil at the Hamburg fieldhouse and the reason why is because they they screwed with his money and he had he had told Vince uh, senior he said I'm, I'm you know I'm, I'll go out there as long as the money's right but if they mess with my money I'm gonna you know I'm gonna come back home and that's exactly what he did is are stories like that uh, is that part of the reason why you didn't want to go out there
0: Show that I did talk about uh, and, and i and I never did say why it's it is because well number one you know Johnny Rhodes was already an experienced wrestler okay he he, he was he, and he was sitting out there and, and you can't blame the guy for, for saying what he did if they mess with my money I'm coming back and he did and, and and bravo for him okay I was green now you know in 19 look the last three months of 1980 when I said I worked for Vince i made a lot of money okay much money but i made more money in three months than what some people was making a year then in 1981 when they made me the execution i was working all the house shows i'd be sometimes working twice in a show as ron showed, then the execution and i made a lot of money now when they said hey ron we're going to be sending you out to mike labelle i said okay uh Time started getting closer, closer to that time. I think it was going to happen in, uh, I think February or something like that. And uh, um, you know, I, I started thinking about it, and I started asking Bob Backlund. I started asking sd Jones, killer kowalski.
1: And everybody
0: except S. D. says, hey, "You ain't got to make no money out there." And S. D. says, "You ain't going to make no money out there, but go anyway. And you know, if you need money, call Vince." I said, well, is Vince my father? I got to call Vince for money? I said, I said, I started thinking, I said, well, you know what? I just made a hell of a lot of money this year. I said, why should I go out there and not make nothing? So I decided not to go. Well, I didn't know that, that on an upstate tour in New York that I was told to call Vince in the afternoon before the next show, and that's when he let me go. And he said, Ron, he goes, I understand you don't wanna go out to California. I said, Yes, that's correct. And he says, "Well, he goes, look, make the night your last night." And I said, "Well, okay, thank you, you know, for the experience, giving me a chance." And I, and I guess I guess I had a feeling, but you know, when I worked that show that night, that last show in upstate New York, Skolman was the uh, uh, the agent, and he says, "He says, Ron, he goes, how could you didn't go out there?" He goes, "You know, you were going to win a big battle royale out there, a big battle royal, and work with Andre." all over the territory, and then you were supposed to go to Mexico and Japan. And it, my heart sunk when I heard that. I just, you know, couldn't they have told me that before? <laughs> just because, you know, they don't tell you much. They don't tell you much. I, I guess it's like a learning experience. Either you go with little knowledge of what's gonna happen, and uh, or if you don't, you know, too bad for you, but that, that's exactly what happens, because I made a lot of money in 1981, and I didn't want to, you know, struggle in, in the next territory where I was going to be, but I guess it was a grooming experience, because, you know, later on, that's what you actually see what happens. You know, it's like, it's like uh, Bundy, when he left, when he left as Chris Canyon, he went down to Tennessee with Jimmy Hart, became Bundy, got all the experience that he did, came up, and there he was.
1: That is that is the reason why I didn't go. Hmm. You know, it's it's funny the uh, the hindsight, but also how things kind of worked out anyway. I love those kind of stories. You, you mentioned while you were talking a bunch of the guys that you you worked with and speaking of working with the the website wrestlingdata.com which is a pretty comprehensive statistics website shows you working at matches with over 30 different tag partners um, although obviously you were more noted as a singles wrestler Benny and I we we all we both have a sweet spot for the tag division and, and tag wrestling as a whole do you have uh, a favorite partner or somebody you always look forward to working with
0: Yeah, um, probably uh, butcher Vachon. Uh, then there was Hans Schroeder in the IWF for for I think it was pretty much a year until until we we dissolved that partnership. Um, but th- those are the two I pretty much tagged up with a lot. Uh, you know, I, I could maybe say a couple of others, but just it's just pretty much primarily those two guys, those two.
2: So, Ron, I I, uh, did a, you know, Facebook's got a million wrestling polls and I took part in one of them. And uh, the the question was, what do you feel is missing uh, in today's product that was prevalent in in the old days? And there's a number of choices, managers, uh, you know, authentic promos, blood, tag teams, two out of three fall matches, all of which you don't see anymore. But in your opinion. What would you bring back if you could? If you had some input uh, as far as you know the current product, what would you bring back from the from the glory days?
0: Well, I, it, you know, it's, it's hard to say because you know, number one, these people now have been weaned on, on this type of wrestling entertainment. Uh, if, if you kind of went back a couple steps back, would they be as as interested? Uh, you know, because, because, you know, we, what we did is, is we did wrestling. Okay. We did wrestling. We, we took big hard bumps today. It's all acrobatics, uh, storylines and, and, and this, I, I, you know, all I could say was, you know, maybe I would bring back a little bit of the old school and, and, and just feel it out. Uh, you know, there had to be, there has to be wrestlers who are going to try and, and, you know, and holds, I mean, you know, wrestling holds. Okay. I, Look, when I, they changed me to a face, I was doing a lot of wrestling, amateur amateur wrestling, to let to show people that hey, you know, Ron Schell was a heel for a long time, but he can wrestle too. Okay, and uh, but yeah, you know, that that's just that's just my idea, and, and, and you know, uh, nobody's gonna bank any money on me, but that's just my opinion.
1: We, uh, last summer and, and into last fall, we saw the, uh, comeback matches of Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat to varying degrees of success. I mean, if you could even call Flair's comeback, a full match, he spent a good portion of it unconscious, um, you're way younger than both of them, um, I'm sure, as far as keeping your your body in shape and your, your abilities, you're probably much closer to Steamboat than Flair. And you say you got a uh, shocking announcement coming up here when we when you come back in two months. Any any chance for a teaser? We may see a Ron Shaw comeback. Um. Well, <laughs> uh, it all
0: depends that's all i can tell you there uh, and, and you know let me tell you something if i was to step back into the ring i am fully confident of my body i would have to wear a shirt like rick flair did and i'm not knocking Ric flair rick flair was the greatest mwa heavyweight champion as far as i'm concerned ever uh, i'm not going to step into the ring like tito santana with a shirt on I'm fully confident of my body. I work out four days a week. I'm 65 years old, and I've got nothing to hide. That's all I'm
2: going to say. Well, you have to promise, Ron, because you know I'm in Florida too. That if that does happen, give me enough lead time so I'll make plans because I definitely want to go and uh, and be there. I want to I want to cheer you on. And uh, so I did have a question that I was meaning to ask you. When when you wrestle, you mentioned that sometimes you did double duty in the same evening as both Ron Shaw and the Executioner. Did you have? Did you wrestle a different style when you were the executioner?
0: Yeah, very, very interesting. You know, you know one, once you have a style, you have to try and change it. So, what I tried to do is try to copy Kowalski to a point, and and that's that was that was what I had to try and do because I had to if I had to try and make up a whole new style. That would have been very difficult for me, so I started thinking about what Kowalski did, pretty much, and uh, like 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 certain knee drops, and and when 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 he'd be getting uh, um, having a comeback or he was getting the crap kicked out of him, he'd hop in the ring. If you remember that back then, uh, he'd hop two or three or four times, and uh, you know I've got one of those one of those videos on my uh, uh, website uh, from Championship Wrestling and. And actually, I've got I've got several videos. Um, I was gonna put another one on from All Star Wrestling. Not on YouTube. I mean, I've got some stuff here that is not on YouTube yet, but you understand that once I put it on my site, it has to go on my YouTube channel first before I can put it on my, my website. And then it gets put on, you know, when you get the sidebars and etc. cetera, stuff like that. Um, and I was and I was actually planning to do something like that in March, because uh, the first of March, uh, I will be putting uh, uh, another uh, uh, Some more content on you, but on there, but uh, I was going to put this match on, on from all star wrestling as the executioner, but I'm pushing it off because I've got really something Phenomenal that I have been talking about for the last 20, 25 years and especially over the last eight or nine years. And I even talked about it at my um, my Hall of Fame induction, and I finally got a hold of something that you guys have never even seen, and that's with me in it. So um, I just want to say, March first, I want you everybody, everybody out there, to go to my current update section, and uh, I got a big surprise. I mean, whether you're a Ron Shaw fan or not, or maybe maybe it's it's uh, a promotion that you've never heard of before, or something like that. But uh, this is really gonna be phenomenal. I'm not putting just one match on, I'm putting about three or four matches on. And this is gonna be a new section on my website. So that's, that's already I already got it, uh, the content on my camera, and all I gotta do is start transferring it over on a Sunday and, and look out for March 1st, hopefully you no know, later than March 2nd, because sometimes it's a pain in the ass to get this stuff on my website, but it's doing real well is doing real well I, I i get a thousand average of a thousand looks a week now i don't know if that's good or bad i don't seem to me it's very good
2: that's pretty decent yeah so, so yeah
0: i, I mean I, that's I try, I try to keep it fresh I, I you know not boring nothing like that and yeah, i have to keep in mind that you know i've got a youtube channel so people go over there too but you know i've got all the stories all the write-ups that people have done on me i, I i've got Uh, uh, current pictures of what i'm doing in my retirement on there i just got pictures of my new 2022 california special cyber orange gt mustang i just put on there was at a car show a couple mondays ago so i got some video there and i'm just trying to keep things fresh but uh, look out on march 1st that's all i can say
1: i mean a thousand thousand clicks a week that's that's about as many times as Benny visits the website of his local brothel. So, I mean, that's right. pretty good traffic. We're pretty close, yeah. But, uh I, Ron, as we wrap up, uh, Benny asked a really good question about wrestling as the executioner and the styles. I'm curious, you left the WWF as they, you know, um, <clears throat> in, in the years of, with the buildup and, and you had done the the executioner gimmick. I was curious what your thoughts are on the opening match of WrestleMania being T and you mentioned Tito earlier being Tito Santana against the Executioner.
0: Mm-hmm. What's my thoughts about that?
1: Yeah, the the fact that that the Executioner is one of those characters that just yeah. kind of like a uh, like a doink in later years or the Golden
2: the, Terror back in the yeah, day.
1: Yeah, exactly. The Golden Terror or or some of the masked men who have popped up from time to time where it's, it's just slightly, I mean, I believe it was, correct me if I'm wrong, Benny, that was, uh, that was Buddy Rose under the mask at WrestleMania, wasn't it? For? Against I Tita? I believe so. Okay, so, I mean, they slapped the mask on anybody, but I was just curious what your thoughts are that, that the character was replaced and rotated as quickly as it was. Yeah, I,
0: I, first of all, I could never figure that out. I mean, I mean why did they even need an I mean, if you're going to use another executioner, you know, keep it as one person, because Pete Daugherty did it, um, you know, cause I, I I came back, I mean, they did bring me back as the executioner in 87 or so, uh, but, but, but mainly like in the southern areas, because I was in Philadelphia, but then they were using Pete Doherty up in the New England area, and then they were using one of the Freebirds at one time, so yeah, I, I didn't understand that, but you know, what do I care? It's a payday. That's all that matters to
1: me. Uh, so, yeah, I don't, don't quite understand that. Well, Ron, another great interview. You covered a lot, and we've talked about some great stuff. Benny, before we let uh, Ron go, um, any final first, thoughts, final questions? First,
2: first, 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 first. Well, uh, not really a, a question, but a, a calculation. Uh, I count April 15th, tax day, as 60 days from today. So would that be that would that be the deadline for uh, Monty to make his apology?
0: I'll tell you what. You you tell me it's close to that 60 days. I know you take your shows here on a Tuesday night. You you let me know when you want to book me on that show. If you want me, I'm 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 gonna just solely do your show and announce it on your show. But before but before that, before you guys say goodbye, and I say goodbye. I'd like to give a plug to somebody. Is that okay?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. That was going to be my my final thought to you. Anything you want to plug, uh, talk about, uh, anything, go for it.
0: Okay. There is an author out there. His name is Sam Martin, who contacted me early last year. And he was writing a fictional story. And he wanted my permission. And and, and he's been, he's left me Emails and so forth, and, and in my guest book, and, and a real nice guy, and he wanted my permission that if he could use me in his book as a reference, along with an old-time baseball player from the Brewers and the Indians, a, a guy named Gorman Thomas. Oh yeah, yeah. Remember him? Uh, and, and he's told me he goes, he goes. The book has been published. He's going to send it to me in the next couple weeks, and uh, it's about. It's a fictional story. The name of it is To John Love Laurie. And uh, he references me in there several times. And from what I understand, he, he, he says hey, Ron Shaw, the, the uh, Hall of Famer who pinned Rene Goulet in the uh, Toronto's Maple Leaf Gardens. And there's some few other things there. He had sent me this by email. But uh, you know, this is a guy, he could have picked anybody anybody out there. And he didn't even need their permission, but he's such a nice guy that he wanted my permission. And I said, please, go right ahead and do that. And it was an honor to be in this book. So it's, it's, it's probably out there very shortly in the next week or two. And I'm looking forward. He's going to send me an autographed copy because I told him to autograph it for me. Because, you know, sometimes these guys get real big and I can sell that autograph. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, you don't, you don't even play the Powerball. You don't need the money.
0: Compliment to do that for me. Very nice guy. Absolutely. So you know, it's, it's one thing. Great. I mean, I have to say, this show started out pretty crappy, but it ended up really, not, really
2: well. Well, you know, we're, we're talking about a crappy person. What, what can you do, right?
0: Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 Maybe maybe he'll come around. He'll do some thinking about it because let me tell you something that that's not the way to fly.
2: Not the way to fly. No, I, I was kind of surprised because I liked, I mean, I've always liked the guy. I've always listened to this show. And I, I, I quite frankly, was very surprised by his behavior. But it was it was pretty shitty. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I, I really didn't expect it. But uh, what I really didn't expect was after after that show. I, totally uncalled for. Totally, but, but like I say, I, I'm a fighter. Nobody, nobody tells me what to do or is going to speak to me that way. Because you're going to get it right back.
1: It's as simple as that. Can't go wrong with that. And uh, I mean, coming up, like you said, Benny, April. What was the date? April 16th. April
2: 15th is day 15. 60.
1: Okay, so uh, <laughs> to, to steal a line from to to steal a line from uh, old Rotunda's character, you're going to have to pay your taxes, and you're going to uh, face the music because you're coming back uh, Ron to to tell everybody what the big announcement is and hopefully Monty's come to his senses by then but hopefully. Uh, hopefully. i mean you mentioned your website big uh, big ron shaw WWF.com, or excuse me big ron shaw uh, is there anywhere else anybody can find you online
0: um, let me let me do this i have never done this before i don't want to I don't want nothing to do with Facebook or social media. What I'd like to do for the first time on your show. You know, many, many times I get a lot of emails uh, uh, in my guest book and I always answer everybody back and then they have my off-site email. And I know it's been spread around like crazy because I get an awful lot of emails from people who never entered my guest book. But what I'm gonna do is I am gonna put out my uh, my email address, and if people want to contact me and talk to me, that's great. So, so I'm going to give it out right now. It's Big Ron Shaw at gmail.com, and that's at gmail.com. And uh, I'll be happy to answer anybody's questions. I get back to everybody.
1: Well, there you have it. Uh, you can the uh emails you're open to respond to everyone website big ron shaw www.f.com. ron thank you so much for being here uh we love hearing your stories we've had you on before we'll definitely have you on again we've got that booked solid right now and we look forward to hearing more from you and hopefully hopefully the uh threats the fist shaking and the letter from benny's lawyer friend turns turns bonnie around it's uh but you know, when, when you're when you're that dead set in your bad ways, you never know.
0: I will certainly look at that as a third option. Just uh, just uh, give them my email, phone number, whatever, and and uh, I'll take it under consideration.
2: You know, and this wasn't uh, Kay Faber from the law firm of Dewey, Cheatham and Howe. I mean, this was a legit, was a high powered, legit New York attorney who who doesn't like Monty either.
0: They're 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 the best. They're the best.
1: You know, it's funny you mentioned that, Benny. I've noticed we've had uh, more than one guest who's had that opinion. So maybe yeah. maybe, maybe you can't say, oh, he's the guy that doesn't like Monty anymore. That list seems to be growing.
2: Maybe it's easier to talk about the guys who actually like Monty. Smaller list, <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So for Big Ron Shaw, for the BS Express himself, Benny Scala, I'm Dan Spashano Have a good night, everyone, and we will see you next time we're in the ring.